J.D. John, F.J. at OffBeatOregon.com, and this is the Daily Offbeat Oregon History Podcast. It's Monday, so this is an archive show. First published as a newspaper column sometime in the last 10 years. Thanks for downloading, and I hope you enjoy the show. This story was first published on September 3rd of 2017, under the headline, Ghost May Never Have Existed, But She Saved Yaquina Bay Light. It is a rewriting and thorough re-researching of a much shorter column first published in December of 2009. Here we go. Next time you're in Newport on the central Oregon coast, if you haven't yet, take a few minutes to check out the Yaquina Bay Lighthouse. It's the only lighthouse I know of in Oregon or elsewhere that was saved from the wrecking ball by a non-existent ghost. At least I think she was non-existent. The ghost's name is Muriel Trevenard and she was born on a dark and stormy night in the late 1890s when Eugene resident Lishan M. Miller, the sister-in-law of poet Joaquin Miller, created her as a character in a story called The Haunted Light at Newport-by-the-Sea. In this charming and magnificently shuddersome little 2,400-word story, Miller wove a gripping story of a mysterious young woman left at a Newport boarding house by her seafaring father who plans to pick her up in two weeks. She takes up with a group of tourists from the valley who are camping nearby. One day, the group of them decides to explore the old Yaquina Bay Lighthouse, a small structure built in an unfortunate spot in 1871 and shut down for good just three years later to be replaced with the Yaquina Head Lighthouse a few miles north. The story takes place just a year or two after that closure, so probably 1875. Yaquina, by the way, is spelled as if it should be pronounced Yaquina, but it's a Native American name rather than a Spanish one, so Yaquina. Inside the abandoned lighthouse, the adventurers find a secret door leading to a shaft that apparently runs all the way down through the sandy bluff to a sea cave. A chill fog moves in, and the explorers decide to go, leaving the secret door open behind them. As she is about to leave, the girl, Muriel, realizes that she has left her handkerchief in the lighthouse and goes back to get it. Shortly thereafter, screams are heard. The party races back to the house and finds the secret door closed and locked and no sign of Muriel save for a pool of warm red blood. The door is securely and unmovably locked. The wainscoting is back in place and they are never able to budge it again. Nor did they ever hear anything more of Muriel or her father. And as time goes by, everyone forgets all about the incident with one or two exceptions. Quote, but to this day it is said the blood stains are dark upon the floor in that upper chamber, the story finishes, and one there was who carried that little handkerchief next to his heart till the hour of his own tragic death. Moreover, the lighthouse itself is, the story tells us, haunted by Muriel's ghost, which screams for help in the night when, quote, the fog comes drifting in from the sea and completely envelops the lighthouse and then stops in its course as if its object had been attained. The story itself is very nearly perfect, with deft touches of dread here and there, answering a few questions and leaving many hanging cryptically unanswered. What was at the bottom of that well? Who was Muriel's tall, dark, aristocratic father? 
How did Harold's hinted-at tragic death come about? Such realistic touches in a fictional story are an invitation to the reader to wonder, is this really fiction I'm reading? Could this actually be truth masquerading as fiction? Was there truly a Muriel Trevenard? In writing this spooky story of events long past, did Lishan Miller make it all up or was she writing down for posterity an actual ghost story whispered to her by one of the tourists from the valley? Questions like these were in the air almost from the start when Miller's magnificent little gem was published in the August 1899 issue of Pacific Monthly Magazine. And they've gained strength and credibility with every passing year since. Visitors to the lighthouse still ask to see the bloodstains and mysterious linen closet upstairs. And though most people familiar with the legend don't actually believe it, there are those who do. Among those who believe the story, the stories of Muriel's ghost don't end with screams in the night and mysterious lights guiding ships at sea. Author Susan Smitten, in her book about ghostly hauntings, cites a 1975 article in the Register Guard out of Eugene, in which Lincoln County Historical Museum curator Pat Stone recounts the story of a young hitchhiker who came through, looking for work. Having nowhere to stay and no money to rent a room, he unrolled a sleeping bag at the lighthouse. That night, he said, a ghostly young woman appeared floating outside one of the windows. She told him not to worry and that he would find work the next day. And so he did. Probably the most intriguing derivative ghost story, though, is the legend of Captain Evan McClure, skipper of the whaling ship Moncton. And in fact, it may be that the Muriel Trevenard story is derivative of it rather than the other way around. The crew of this whaling ship, according to the story, mutinied and put Captain Evan McClure overboard in a small rowboat just off the Oregon coast in the early 1870s. He was never seen again. But supposedly there were a number of hauntings of houses and taverns along the coast after that, by a red-bearded, skeleton-faced character prowling in search of someone to, quote, join me in death. The theory is that Lishan Miller wrote her story with an eye towards supplying a denouement to the Evan McClure story, involving old Evan finally finding someone to take him up on his spooky offer. But of course it's impossible to document which ghost story came first, so we'll likely never know. But Muriel Trevenard, the possibly fictional ghost, needed no help from Evan McClure for her greatest achievement, the preservation of the lighthouse. By the time the 1940s rolled around, the place was in awful shape, and wrecking crews had it on the schedule. In response, the citizens of Lincoln County formed the Lincoln County Historical Society, specifically to prevent it from being demolished and to restore it, which, with the help of Ohio industrialist and Oregon native son L.E. Warford, they would eventually do. Meanwhile, to buy the additional time they would need to complete their plans, a group of citizens actually had to form a human chain around the building to stop the demolition from proceeding. Would all this have happened without the fame and narrative excitement generated by Muriel Trevenard and the story of her death? Possibly. It seems unlikely, though. In the 1940s, old buildings were generally regarded very unromantically, even old lighthouses. Today, restored to its former glory, it's a state park. It's also the oldest structure in Newport and the only wooden lighthouse in Oregon. Key sources in this story included works by John B. Horner, Susan Smitten, Yaquinalights.org, and LighthouseFriends.com. That's our show for today. Thanks again for listening. This podcast is part of Offbeat Oregon History, a public history resource for the state we love. 
What you've been listening to is one of more than 500 stories originally created and published as newspaper columns in first-run syndication between 2008 and today. You can read them all at offbeatoregon.com. Other Offbeat Oregon goodies include an active Facebook page, a Twitter feed, a ton of historic photos, and a bunch more stuff. Plus a book, including visuals for today's show and full citations to sources. All these things are accessible via our hub page at offbeatoregon.com. This podcast is covered under a Creative Commons license. For details, see offbeatoregon.com slash cc. Our theme music is by the Atlas String Band and was written by Carmen Ficara. Listen and download more at atlasstringband.com. Questions, critiques, ideas for a future episode? Email me at fj at offbeatoregon.com. Episodes of Offbeat Oregon History are uploaded around 6 a.m. every weekday, so the next one will be on your device and ready to go before you know it. Until then, go out and fill up the rest of the day with good stuff. Bye now. Bye now.